Hello and welcome to Royale Without Cheese, our bi-weekly podcast in which we discuss both the classic and the unknown of art and popular cinema from the then and now. We are your hosts, me, Leonardo Miranda, Miguel Aido. Hi there. Hello and Tomás Ferreira. Hey, hey, hey. The sweaty man. As part of our award season segment, we'll be looking at the likely contenders for the 2024 Oscars. Today we talk about the old overs, but before any ados, don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, or simply give us a like. The Old Overs is a 2023 Christmas comedy drama directed by Alexander Payne and starring Paul Giamatti. Set in 1970, the film follows a bad-tempered boarding school history teacher forced to chaperone a handful of students with nowhere to go during Christmas break. Premiering at the 50th Telluride Film Festival, it was named one of the top 10 films of 2023 by the AFI and three Golden Globe nominations. However, did RWC enjoy their detention with the best fish-smelling teacher of 2023? Fellas, how do we say? What do you smell? Well, Alexander Payne wouldn't like wouldn't like that Christmas movie label. Uh, so I so I read. Well, he's no, wrong. I then. think. I think he said it was actually nauseating to call it a Christmas movie. I will call it. Paul Giamatti said that? No, no, no Alexander, Alexander Payne. Payne. Oh, that's director, interesting. Yeah. Well, the whole vibe of the movie, including the score of the film, points to that. So it's strange Christmas that he rejects songs it. on it. Yeah, there's Christmas yeah, songs on Christmas it. Christmas time, Christmas songs. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, so, it's not Home Alone, I guess. But I mean, even then, trying there's to be similarities. Oh yes, I did all that work in the film, you know, the season and everything, but I reject your hypothesis, like Quentin Tarantino says. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed being in the tension with Paul Giamatti, and I think he's the most interesting character in the film. In actuality, that's, that's one of the reasons why I can endure the first act of the film so much, because right from the get-go, his character is very strong in his convictions, very strong in his traits, his irony. Uh, the richness in expressions, in how he enjoys torturing his students uh, and, you know, really attacking their privilege. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I love his humor, his demeanor as a teacher and uh, has a character, his flaws. He's very interesting to follow. And he's really, he's really a good balance against the fucking arrogant, arrogant students that you have to cope with by the first act because it's honestly I don't know if, about you guys but it, one of the things about the first act is that it's very difficult for me attach myself to any of the students particularly the one who the film which the film intends you to connect with which is who is Angus there is a little access to his interiority and as I understand I mean one of the things this movie does beautifully is how it relays exposition over time and it leaves a certain mystery about his character Uh, so much so that when certain things are revealed, because you are biased to the morality principles of the adult characters who are overseeing these students, and case in point, Angus, who remains the only holdover that needs to be taken care of. And by adults, I mean the two in the trio, which are Mary the cook and Paul Giamatti, Paul Hunnams, the professor, because they're so biased to their morale, to their rigid principles, to their good character, especially on the behalf of... Paul, that's the whole idea about the character. A good character, you know, being strict, objective, uh, not lying, no deceit, because they're so kind of biased into, into him. You're very ready to judge the students and ready to judge uh, Angus. So when certain things are discovered about his past and the fact that his father is in this kind of absent position and there is a situation of unfairness towards him, this how his family isolates him, you do end up feeling for him. But I have to say that I think the film could give me more of a, in the first act, because you, you do spend a long time, almost an hour, without really having a little channel to the interiority of the character. Certain things are suggested, and that's fine, but I do feel the need to having a little something. He's such a snot, and I get it, but he's such an annoying snot that sometimes I really have a difficult time understanding why am I coping with these students in the first half of, this, of the film, especially because there are certain things that the character says. They are so annoying. He's such an oddball kid and really self-absorbed and self-entitled. Certain things he says like, uh, what is it when, when the other student, uh, there's a student that his glove is stolen by an arrogant prick 
the Koontz kid, and then he, Angus, kind of comments with, um, "He left you one, so you, yeah, you, it's that would, would sting over, a little more." Over the top line, uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, stupid snot kid. He he told you one, so you would only stay with one, so it it would hurt much more. And you're I'm not sure you're if he delivers a, it like that. <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit like this, you know. And then he says, Angus, Angus has a lot of those lines. Like, yeah, you know, and, and, and he also says, your mind, everyone is a shallow, your mind is a shallow cesspool and a never good one at that. And I'm like, who says this crap? You know, I'm, it, it just sounds cartoony and fake. And I, well, I I've seen people like point, this. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the point. I, I know that's I think the it's point. It's also and... to connect him to the Paul Giamatti character who also speaks in that very lab like elaborated manner, elaborate manner. But the thing is, I'm more sympathetic. Comedic, yeah with yeah. Paul's character yeah, yeah. because and you buy I'm it more from him. To, yeah, and I, you know, I'm more biased to him bringing this arrogant white privilege nuts <laughs> down. And I, I really like this kind of teacher who is, you know, very willingful and, you know, very uh, strict in his convictions to make good character, even if it means give, even if it means giving bad grades. I'm all behind them and it's more difficult to be behind these students part of the interest i think also with with the language as you said is um how it changes i mean throughout the film with uh with our getting to know the characters and as you said yeah in the beginning it's kind of you know pretentious and they all speak kind of the same way which makes sense because they're supposedly smart uh, kids especially angus and you know Paul's Paul Yamati's character is also uh, an intelligent person, so they they kind of all relate in the beginning of the film through that thread of the language of the posh language, and it's interesting. I thought it was interesting to me to see how Hanga's, uh way of speaking changes throughout the film and becomes much looser and uh, a much more interesting character, I think, and much more grounded uh, in the way people actually speak. I think <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so. It didn't really bother me. And I think also he really gave me a sort of non-actor vibe. Uh, like I, I was sure I would go, I yeah. was going to read something about it in the trivia of the film. Uh, and he, he did. Um, he, it really was his first credit. Um, although I thought it was even less like I thought yeah. he did have no experience. Also, I think he did like theater you know, in I, high I did, school. Yeah, I did feel the same way. Like the first time, this was the second time I watched the film, but the first time I was really not liking his acting. Really? Uh, but I didn't mind I that. I got to know him in the first time. I was like, it's not, I, I really am annoyed by this kid. <laughs> and this time around, I accepted better, especially because the writing is so good that he, that he redeems himself by the later half of the film. But uh, it, I was a little bit bothered by it first. I, re um, I really, I really mm -hmm. didn't mind because for me it was just so clear almost that it was a non-actor, and kind of the same with the other ones. To be honest, uh, not the sort of the main adult characters, uh, but the kids. Uh, all of them really kind of gave the that uh, impression, and I thought it was interesting. I mean, it was just. Uh, and there's also there's a visual there's a complicity with the camera almost like the camera is aware of his freshness or his greenness that sometimes you have these extreme close-ups to his face he suddenly yeah. turns the camera and he says something and i'm like oh my god like when he mm -hmm. sees like the greek pottery in the museum and then he turns the camera and says it's candy cane <laughs> <laughs> yeah and <laughs> like, in a dorm room as well he, he puts dorky, his head yeah. out, out out of the door yeah yeah i remember yeah, that yeah, that was exactly. very jarring that there's actually yeah, there's quite a, a few shots like that of his face very close to the camera. Yeah, it's true. But I and really also, I... Mm -hmm. no no just uh, also shots that kind of make you um, think that he has kind of the perspective of, of the other person's um, perspective of the other character. So for example, in the ice skate uh, rink, he kind of looks directly at the camera, and then you see that it's actually Paul Giamatti looking at him. But it's interesting sometimes how the camera plays certain characters. And you get to see characters looking straight at the camera. Um, I don't know. For me, it's it's another element that adds to the whole Christmassy, cartoonish thing that this movie has going on. That gives a sense of surreality. And uh, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it's it's, it's kind of reminded me of Days and Confused and these sort of films. Even Paul Giamatti's film uh, American Splendor, that is very meta built. And uh, and yeah, I mean. My mind went there because of Paul Giamatti, but I think the film has other things in common. 
Yeah, I did felt uh, that way. You know, there's another moment when he they're kind of playing a game of cat and mouse, and Angus is running around school. The professor is after him, and he's you know he's a bit a bit a bit ahead of Paul Hunnam, so he certainly looks at the camera almost look like he's complicit with us in this game of um, fleeing the teacher. But coming up uh, around to a question of mood, I find that this film does this play on my brain, which is very unique in the sense that as I was watching for the first time, but also the second time around, I feel like my brain is being attacked by this anachronism thing where I feel sometimes the, the movie feel, fools me, fools my brain into thinking that I'm actually seeing a, a film that is a hidden gem from the 70s. Like this is an actual 70s film. It was so well shot and so well put together in the ambience that it wants to achieve that it doesn't seem like a film of today imitating something of the then. It really feels like a film from the 70s, down to the logo of the Universal uh, Pictures Studio from back in the day, the, the, the PG rating disclaimer at first, the long zooms, the pens, um, and he, even the fact, you know, that you have the insane asylum speaks a bit to, coincidentally, to that film, A Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest by Jack Nicholson, also in the 70s. I always go back to that film. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And of course, the beautiful use of music in this film that is very reminiscent of Inside Lewin Davis, even like the look of the film. So this indie folk music kind of aspect. Let's sleep <laughs> in the sleep of tomorrow. <laughs> it's just it's very also a kind of teenager coming of age sort of music, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's very one true. thing I was thinking is like this film, certain ticks that it has, certain performances it reminds me like of Wes Anderson but it's because the film is trying I don't mean this like badly but it's trying to imitate the films that influenced Wes Anderson like the those 70s like Al Ashby films yeah. like Errol and Maud uh, and others and so it's interesting seeing a film like almost try to be what was in what it has influenced the, the artists of today I think that's interesting, but I but I don't feel um, I, it could be annoying like to see a film like this that are trying to to recreate something that you know it's from the past and it's not really coming back. But I don't think it is annoying. I think it does it very well, but it also stands on its own as just a very well told story that has a great mood, and I think it will be very rewatchable every Christmas for me, especially. I think it'll be very good for that type of mood because it's cozy. It's, you know, it has like a, a, a beer sweetness to it all. And I think it's it's good. I really enjoyed it. I liked all the performances yeah, I mean, as well. Yeah, I was going to say that next. I mean, uh, starting with what you said about the, the feeling like a Christmas film. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think a lot of the themes are very sort of Christmassy about redemption and the guys coming together and mm -hmm. finding a common common points in their lives. And the mother grieving. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of things that kind of make you sort of agree that this is a Christmas film because, <laughs> yeah, the themes kind of converge into this beauty of, of of beauty of the characters and redemption and all these things. But yeah, uh, speaking of the characters, I think that I mean, Paul Giamatti is such a great actor. I mean, so there are some actor. scenes that I was really, character. really emotional, like yeah. uh, really emotional with his acting because it just captures it so well. Perfect, yeah. Um, and and it could be so, in theory, it could be so goofy and not work at all, you know, with the eye and the, the delivery or like the writing of the character. It could, you know, it, it's that thin line. It almost is too much, but I think he works it perfectly. I buy every line that he says, even when it's super over the top, like you hormonal vulgarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love yeah. everything he says in this film. I think, yeah, it's you a are great, penis great cancer in human. <laughs> penis penis cancer cancer. That's great. It's so good. Yeah. Greatest insult. The writing is yeah. great. I, I really, I think it's, he's amazing. And everyone else, uh, you were talking about Dominic Sess, I think that's his name. Yeah. I actually, I really, I thought I was very impressed with his acting. I think he, I think I just like his face. I think he has a very you know, particular I have the exact face. Opposite reaction. <laughs> really... His face repulses me. Like I no, really have... like I don't find him like um, his slim face, squinty eyes. It's there's just 
a corporeal physical has, repulsion. I get that. I just <laughs> think he has such a seventies face, like a face guess, from, you know, from those gonna, films, you know, like very yeah, the curly rough hair. face. Yeah, the curly I can hair. That, yeah. I just to face. me it just brings think, me back to the kind of people I've met in high school that were just annoying snots full of themselves. Yeah, I think it's doing a this position in the corner, <laughs> like they were very serious, trying to exhibit how smart they are, and then they would say over the top exclamations. But the thing oh, is, yes, like, this uh, is not the mathematical. This... I've seen stuff like that. <laughs> right. It always very marked me a lot. <laughs> and I, like I you need a psychoanalysis. <laughs> <laughs> I've met What's people like on? that. They were really <laughs> repulsive, and I really. <laughs> Detested, you know how it, they exhibited their their smartness in a in a egotistical way. So he reminds okay. me a lot of certain people that I've met, and I, I'm like, nah. <laughs> you you were saying you felt like I don't know. But this is more this, of a I think it's more of a more me of question a, than a mistake of, of, of the character. I think, I, think. <laughs> I do admit that, but Very I do have to sure. say what I think is not of a, a me question, a subjective point of view of how, how I see the the character it is another aspect that I think is in absence in the film, which is, I think the first act, because the students are such arrogant little pricks, and I'm so, you know, in favor of the, the teachers against them, in a way that's interesting, I think because Angus is ultimately one of the main protagonists, you know, the camera very willingly wants to attach its consciousness to two consciousness, which are the one of Paul and the one of Angus. And we clearly see early on that he's going to be a, a prevailing figure. I think one thing that is missing is this, despite there being a suggestion to something wrong with him, something wrong that is absent in the fam in this family, something off to the way he becomes lonely in this Christmas time, there should have been a, just a, an extra push to make to make uh, to make us like wonder what is wrong with this kid. You know, I, I want to see him. I want to follow him. Because there's nothing that personally makes me say I want to follow him. And for example, for me, there's one moment where he kind of helps the Asian kid who starts crying at night, feels alone because he's away from his family. And I like that. That showed a little bit of compassion on his side. It was a, a golden moment. We see there's an op a channel opens to his interiority. We, we see the mask, you know, the, the cold, arrogant self who hides the more soft-hearted self. But there could have been a simple, a simple push not not a disclaimer of everything that is going on inside him but for example after he helped that kid and the whole talk with that kid is about you know him crying because he's away from his family there's a certain mirror image there after that he could have gone back to the little photo that he has in his kind of shelf that he sees at the beginning of the film with his family his father has as he was and he could have felt this need to write a letter to his father but then he would scrap it and not do it and would be like oh Oh, he's writing a letter. Oh, this father, there's something more about his father. He's away. Maybe something will be revealed, but then he would scrap it and not send it at all. Or maybe send it and in the, the morning after he would go back to the post office or the little post box, you know, in the middle of the snow and take out the letter, put it, just something that would make it a little bit more invested, but not reveal everything, you know, and maybe then I'll be feel a bit more behind him. And I felt that I wasn't as invested and I was much more the pacing of the first act for me was sluggish and I didn't care at all for him despite, despite there being some interest in his quirks and his personality. His arrogance does wait a lot in me and I needed a, a bit more of a channel to his interiority because I do feel that I only feel attached to the professor and the character of Giamatti that he plays so beautifully well. So yeah, that's the only thing that I would say more of a, an absent thing for me in the movie. It has cost me to... Um, I disagree. I disagree. But fair enough. I have two people disagreeing here with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, well. I mean, my my, my counterpoint, uh, shall we say, is kind of short. And uh, I think for me, it's enough. Because the fact is, they are holdovers. They are people that stayed behind for some reason. And for me, I think, obviously, there's going to be a side uh, which we need to discover still of how can we empathize with these characters? I think that the premise of the film means that somewhere along the story, we're going to see why they're there and empathize through it. Um, so for me, it was a matter of when. When are we going to see why these kids are here and um, and what makes them sort of, you know, abandoned in a sense. Um, and through and then in, in understanding that, um, empathize with them. Um, but this is because... I sort of got, got the, the premise of the film that they're there and, and that they're always talking about their parents not being there, that their family is not with them at Christmas. 
so for me it was kind of clear that okay let's see what what is the reason why these kids are here and i mean i held on you to see, that i can't do that thought process because i'm so annoyed by him that okay. I, I, so, I, so I, I that's what i was I gonna him. say yeah because i, I, I like a, him so I, there's a subjectiveness that we yeah, are figuring exactly. that we're finding out here that you like him so you kind of you buy you buy into it you're fine with it I dislike him very intensely, so <laughs> I, I have a difficulty oh, into that. Well, but but also I'm not. I think that you're very right in saying that, guys that discovering discovering why he stays there is a matter of when, you know. And I think that that exposition is very well relayed in this movie in terms of when should we reveal further these things. And I think it's very smartly done when they go to the party of all the adults uh, involved and there's it's a christmas party at miss kane's and then by the end of it he kind of revolts about being taken out of the party of the party and you know not really enjoying christmas and events and finally says something which is my father is dead you know and and that's that already hints at an absence of the father it's not the whole truth but it's kind of a half truth and i like that but also what i'm saying is that you know by him doing a little letter to his father you don't even need to see what is in the letter. I just think it would push me a bit further regarding a place of intimacy with him. That's just what I'm saying. It wouldn't change what we already know or how the, the film was constructed as it is. It would just add a little something that would make me feel more uh, in simpatico with him. And I just <laughs> felt like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, t I'm taking an expression used by David Bowie in an interview that I liked. <laughs> so uh, I just, you know, to me, lacked because you know i felt so repulsed that i felt like i needed something extra yeah it's fine it's I think just that's... an extreme emotion repulsive <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's just, uh, exactly you know. that's why you need that mo I, I also yeah. don't feel like i need that because i'm not repulsed by mm -hmm. him but because you are you need like okay give me something more so i can care <laughs> for this guy <laughs> which but, like, which like felt... it's something more that wouldn't spoil even the film it would be something yeah, yeah. more I that feel, i think I, okay. I understand but i like i from the get-go i thought you know this guy is clearly like a in the context of the school, he seems like an outsider by the way he's treated, by the fact that he gets a good grade when everyone else has like bad grades. So, and you know how like how difficult Paul Giamatti is as a it's, teacher. It's he even is. more annoying because he he gets a, a good grade and everybody but, else gets bad. But grades. that doesn't make sense, much. You're <laughs> annoyed. Yes, he does. And he, he doesn't even. The he doesn't. No, he doesn't. When does he what? parade the grades? I think I'm very good. I'm actually the top of my class. <laughs> Who does he say know. that? Who does he say that to? He says to his father, but I think there's somewhere okay. else That's where he very says different. that. There's a moment where um, he's in class and he says to, 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 he says, he says to the teacher, I think it's quite absurd. We should get out. I think it's quite absurd. And then, and then Paul Giamatti says, but he's oh, right. I'm being absurd. And I'm like, yes, Paul Giamatti. Yes, give him to his face. I'm just annoyed. <laughs> He's right. Was... Like, why would he start a chapter when their minds are somewhere else? Like, my no, teacher used to I agree. do that. That's but, so fucking annoying. He has the arrogance of saying, I think it's quite absurd. And I'm like, but it is no, absurd. You didn't say that to the He's teacher. Right. teacher. You do. Get him out. And, and are you Paul a fascist? Says, what is this? Some fascism? Fascism. <laughs> I, you see, it's like that. I, I mean, I'm so against him that I'm like, Paul, oh no, oh no. <laughs> if he had stopped at like, you know, I think it's quite unfair, but he had to be an arrogant prick. He had, he, the way he said it, I think it's quite absurd. I was like, you are talking to the teacher. You cannot say that. Teacher, that is, that is say, a figure say the of authority, line. man. Young man. Exactly. And then he says, oh, I'm quite absurd, am I? And then he says, okay, you can, you know, you can thank Mr. Angus like, Tully for doing this. It's a great, here. it's a, a very funny interaction, but especially because he has a good grade, so he also doesn't like. It doesn't bother him if they don't get a a, a redo. So that I think that's also good. But he doesn't bloat about it. Like he doesn't like, oh, huh, see, I got a good grade. You guys know right, I fucked he up. Blow up. Uh, he's, he's, but he's I find it funny that, that, that everyone else kind of speaks the same way, but Maj is only focusing on this one guy. <laughs> Be, because this one guy is meant to be our protagonist, protagonist, and that's yeah. because this is the the con the consciousness of the camera is willingly attaching herself to the consciousness of this kid together with the other two components of the trio, which is Paul Hunnam and Mary the cook. And I'm just like, okay, I know this yes, kid is going to be a mainstay, no, but, but why is going to make me care? But regardless, and, he's still speaking the same way, so he shouldn't be so. No, I mean, you've already spoken that, that he represents this this high he's school. He's very disrespectful to uh, yeah, to, but, to uh, his to, to the adults saying, with him. But and but he's not like he's not the 
you know, he's not the problem. Like, he's not the the rich kid who's super yeah. super pampered. Clearly, like those the other guys are. Okay. That way. Yes, that's he's true. more again. He's the outsider in this context, even if he's, he's a product of his environment. Even if he is an outsider figure, you know, his mother is marrying a richer guy, so he's like a, in between two worlds. But clearly, his father wasn't. Yeah, you see, that type totally. Of... But that's why I don't have those cards then in the first act, and I think that. But there's some I need to already feel... suggestions. Clearly, there are some suggestions. Okay, I know there's a stepfather. It's not the real father. It's Stanley. Okay, he's... I do get that. But I need a little bit more of his interiority, not the full information. I wouldn't like that. But, but I just we already know why you need, I need to... more. We already know why because you're repulsed. Yes, by because him. I repulsed by it. Yeah, <laughs> because he smart... represents this high school. Bully. He's disrespectful. He's disrespectful with with older. We gotta Adults. find that guy. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, He's met I don't like his arrogance. I don't like his misbehavior. I don't like how he misbehaves. <laughs> he misbehaves. Respect your elders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tipo, I'm so like when I see that scene between the dean and Paul Giamatti in the office, saying, you know, like Mr. Green says, you know, with good character. I'm like, I'm so behind you. you but know, but Paul put, Giamatti puts is the things. Yeah, he's disrespecting authority as well, technically. Yes. He's very disrespectful of authority. But the thing is, the dean ah, is a prick. Ah, and, and Paul Giamatti is being a prick when he's starting a, a, a new chapter on, on Christmas Eve, almost. And that's very prickly. He's doing that because the prick students that didn't study properly want a second chance. And he's even giving them. So they need to suck up He's any a benevolent dictator. Effect. And why is he being such a Grinch about Christmas? That's also bad. That's also rude from Paul Giamatti's character. It yeah, should be more... Ungodly. Okay, here... Cookies, what, what, Christmas tree. What would you propose that he would propose in class? What other solution? This is such a specific thing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we're getting stuck up in this scene. Right. If I were a teacher. Like, yeah. teacher's committee right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Let me call my mom <laughs> and dad. This episode is turning into that. We need to go back to our high schools and do something about it. <laughs> Make a better environment. I, no, think, I think he should think suggest the... the test or whatever he did. But, you know, give them a break now. And let him go. It's Christmas almost. Like no one's yeah, gonna think, pay attention I anyway. The, I think. I think so. I think he should do that. I think he should be more benevolent. He should because it's absurd to even suggest it. But it's the it's the way that he talks. It's the way that he talks that is disrespectful. <laughs> he could say the same thing without being a prick. It's your teacher, Mister 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 Professor. Please, I'm sorry. I wouldn't speak I... like Mister Professor, but I wouldn't speak like it's absurd. And you know? I wouldn't say. But I mean, I let's, have let's not forget that. that these guys are still spoiled. Yeah, rich kids. spoiled. I mean, kids, yeah. this guy must, not give, might be the best one of the right. them all, but they're... you mean not give him the right? It's his character. <laughs> no, no, I know it's his the character. The character is rich, spoiled kid. What no, do you mean I know he doesn't have the right. <laughs> I know he's rich, and I know he's rich, spoiled kid. I know. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be. I know. I'm not saying that he should be rewritten as a benevolent kid. I don't want that. But that's why, against this arrogant, prickish portrait of him, I need a little bit of a channel to his interiority. I just need to see that scene where I'm allowed to be in a space of intimacy with him, where I see a little bit of him writing a letter to his father that never responds, and then throwing it in the bin. I don't need to see what is in the letter. I don't need any information added that destroys me discovering this character over time. But I do need to be a little bit more alone in him. I don't have that. But, Against but don't this you ever feel... It's very hard for me to feel for this character that I'm, I know I'm going to be stuck up with. But don't you ever feel, um, until the moment where this transformation becomes more clear, that there are moments where he's clearly sort of the 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 picked on kid and, and the the reclusive kid and the kid that has more some sort less, of things. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Because I think that but he still that, sounds like he's clear. cool because he's so smart. But, but this is kind of hierarchy in high school where you kind of do those things and and you know you you have to act cool. It's almost like a compensation when you're not. It's like uh, fair enough. If it were a young Paul Giamatti. You would you would love the character, no, but it doesn't I, look like Paul Giamatti. Is, it looks like is, the high school bully from Madrid. Very different. <laughs> I find them very different from each other. But you do. They but are you not do, the same. But at the end, you do empathize with Angus, or, or I not. do, I do. I think he's he's very you know for the most part. I don't know, I do like the film and I do enjoy it. And for the most part, I, I think he he does become a redeemable 
character by the end. He's like I said, I think the, the last the scene is incredible. Is so it's incredible. That scene with the father at the hospital is incredible. Nah, I wasn't speaking of that one, but I was speaking of the goodbye between Angus and Paul. Okay, yes, it's good. I wasn't like I wasn't like heartbroken. I was much more heartbroken at at the asylum, and I I think that scene is well deserved by the end. Uh, I yeah. like it, but the asylum really broke me the, the first time. I saw it in the second time as well. Um, For me, the, because... their goodbyes were really sort of it's just yeah. his acting. Paul, Paul's yeah. Jamari is acting just so. I think I was more touched by the by their goodbye than the scene at the hospital. Really, oh, I saw very touched. But the thing is, um, I, I had a connect. To, I think you know personally, I had a connection with that type of reality, mm -hmm. yeah. and I, I know what it is to kind of deal with someone who who is physically there present but not there mentally anymore and he's earth crushing is horrible he's the saddest thing in the world and he's so beautifully shot uh that there's this glimmer of hope in his eyes that his father is going to to reply and the way that 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 actor who plays the father is brilliant i mean you almost feel like he's investing the conversation like he's hearing attentively to it because he's he yearns to give some kind of response but that response is not what angus expects and it's a very smart cut to the hands of the father reaching out to his kid and holding him and you feel the warmth of it and there's the eagerness for him to say something and he gets close and he says i need to tell you something i think they are poisoning my food and he looks away and doesn't say anything else it's so smart of them to not make the father kind of talk too much he just says one thing looks away and he's silent and it's like a bomb and it's kind of crushing i was so sad by that and it's earned a lot of points for a character that I didn't care about during the beginning. I think he earns a lot of my of my interest and attention once he gets hurt. It was very cathartic for me. Course, like it was, yes. I was like, oh yeah, fucking <laughs> get sense. there. Tell me hurt more. yourself. <laughs> and then and then he goes like, watch this. And then he goes and jumps. Oh, oh, oh! I'm like yeah, motherfucker, get. There. I really like that one. The I didn't attention. expect it to happen. I <laughs> thought he was joking. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And then they go to the car, and he feels like a Ren and Stimpy scene where he's like this cartoony shot of him in the car, like this. Oh, oh, oh! And he was like, you did this. You did it. You washed your hands off of me. You didn't want this to happen. <laughs> it was like, metaphorically. Of course you meant it metaphorically. <laughs> like, like, he's, like the way it was written and making me laugh out of his own pain was so like, I was bought to the character in that moment, laughing of his pain and because of his pain. And then when he gets to the hospital, he gets my respect by the fact that he actually saves the teacher and he doesn't say doesn't you know fill in the insurance and this is an interesting thing you know i think that the film in terms of theme really likes to focus around this essential question of what is a teacher student relationship and there is this this opposite ideas between should a teacher be objective and um exact in his teachings and not really be open to the students needs or should we be more flexible about his teachings and be open to the students, to listening to the student? Because normally it's the reverse, the student listens to the teacher, who is his mentor figure. But what is, what is it when actually the, the teacher needs to listen to the student, not only to actually help them in a more emotional, personal way, and the best of teachers can be that, uh, that mentor figure, that father figure that can help him in a personal way. But also, what does it mean to listen to uh, a student's needs when that actually helps the teacher in his own kind of personal way uh, because there's there's a lacking or a flaw in the character of Paul Hunnam in the sense that because he becomes this sort of celibate monk only dedicated to his books and his academic knowledge he doesn't really see the outside world there's this beautiful kind of cut the the opening sequence is like this dialogue between interiors and exteriors, these snowy landscapes and the world of within of Barton, uh, well, boarding school, and we all we are all kind of brought by the flow of this lullaby of the seventies, like the the slumber of sleep, you know, kind of bought by that kind of sheer spirit, and then that song cuts very very abruptly to the inside of the office of Paul Giamatti. You see the pipe, you see all the details of his stuff, the whole pile of books, him writing the the reviews of the essays, 
insane philistines, rancid philistines. <laughs> and I'm, you know, you all immediately see who that character is because the music cuts and you cuts to what? This classical music, this pile of books. He is this kind of monk only dedicated to this knowledge. And he's very firm in that. He no longer has a connection to the outside world or to a sense of compassion. And I think that's what he's trying to retrieve. And over time, you see that he does have ambition. He's writing a book. If he gets pushed a little bit further and he leaves his comfort zone, he will write that book. Actually, one of the interesting scenes that happens in this film is when Angus becomes an agent into that. Angus teaches Paul through his, his actual skills, which are the complete opposite to what the professor Paul Hunnam represents in terms of values, which is lying and deceit and cutting corners as a student, that kind of juvenile sense of adventure of bending corners to get your way. It's, it's always interesting when a character's values were the complete opposite of another character teaches that other character something. And you have a perfect example of that scene when um, Hugh Cavanaugh, this kind of accomplished academic, the complete opposite to, uh, to Paul comes in and says, oh, Paul, how have you been? And he's forced to lie. And that's a moment of true character where through pressure, he's forced to you know, actually reveal the opposite of himself, to actually lie, to actually show himself as more of an accomplished guy. I've studied abroad and Angus comes into play. So it's an added layer. And he says, oh, he's writing a book, you know? So that's interesting because we retrieve a goal, a hidden goal of the character was discussed previously in the film that he's writing this book, but he's always postponing it. And now because he kind of makes the promise to Hugh Cavanaugh that he's going to write it and accomplish it, he needs to do it. And then actually by the end of it, by the end of the movie, it actually becomes something that he needs to do. He's pushed by circumstances of his actions towards Angus to actually be fired off this comfort zone, which is staying at Barton, where he's too comfortable in, in his little nutshell, to actually go out there and start a new life, maybe get married, maybe find a connection, write his book. And I think that's this is one of the most intriguing character arcs, which is not often that explored, which is a character who is in a comfort zone. And at the end, at the beginning of a movie, apparently doesn't want anything, doesn't have a clear goal. That's much more to, to the side of the students and Angus. And then over time, you understand that the goal doesn't something from him having a clear want that he's driving at, but there being a lacking in his life. That over time through the, the how the exposition is rela is relayed that is shown to to us that he has, there's a lacking, and then Angus comes into play to make him realize that listen you could drive at that you you could uh, actually do something about it, and that's uh, that's very interesting the way that at certain moments in time through that scene with you Kavanaugh how Angus has a a propellant role in it. Uh, and pushes his teacher to learn something about his potential, where he can go. Uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And there is also this scene, for example, I think it's Payne is very aware of this, where because the opening title sequence is very much about how these different places in a boarding school or university, university, how the dormitories function, how a canteen exists. You have these slow dissolves, these slow kind of traveling shots over the students in the canteen, eating amongst each other in their set tables. And then you have the, the teachers in their own separate tables that this idea of hierarchy and you are there, the teachers are there. And you, you have this clear position of the way that the teachers behave towards their students in that environment of the school is different. They are an authority figure. And they, they are a lot more prone to set the, the morality principles that they need to follow. Now, when you have a party scene at the home of Miss Keynes, uh, this, the, the adults suddenly become students. And the way to behave amongst themselves through the, the sheer pressure of the social pressure of being amongst people of their age group turns them into these people that much like their younger selves once were still are capable of daydreaming about being in love by someone else like the whole thing with um paul Giamatti's character paul hunnam and his crush that becomes a crush miss kane he feels like a little acting moment a yeah, beautiful acting shot. moment i think that is amazing and he becomes like a total like little kid who is hopeful that she looks at him and 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 but but she doesn't he has a husband and that pen Oh my God, that pen, when he is in, in the sofa and then pants to her, kissing her husband. It's like, oh my God. I was like, oh, I know what that, <laughs> I know what that is like. <laughs> like but, but it's I so mean, awful. 
the thing <laughs> is, the more you get to know Paul's character, and and he becomes similar to Angus, and you see that they're both kind of similar and, and depressed. Yeah, in some really. ways they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, they're both taking pills for depression. It's true. It's true. I think it really makes you um, sort of. For me, it really helped reevaluate how much uh, they're similar. Um, and so, that's that. As you said, that moment in the party where they're acting like kids, it's exactly the point. I mean, when put in certain circumstances, they lie. Paul character, Paul characters lies. Um, he becomes sort of giddy with with the excitement of the this woman liking him and really you see that he's a teenager or you know that has had went through a lot of stuff as well like angus and became depressed and really they aren't that different um and i think that's very well expressed with with his goodbye at the end what where they both say you know good luck you're gonna make it or something along those essentially terms. the difference i think lies in perhaps there are different levels of maturity that's what but in a lot of ways, no, else they think, are similar. I think it's more in terms of the age itself and the fact that you need to take on certain roles and, and you need to seem I think like you, become you are more mature. Clearly, there's a, the I age mean, yes, but become, I, comes with that. Of course. Yes, but but I mean the fact that he doesn't lie. Of course, he lies. It, it's the sort of character that he puts on as a teacher in in a in a high class school. But of course, he lies. Yeah, of and course, get, of course. And you see that uh, throughout. But the film. I don't think that's a sign of immaturity. That's a sign that we all have. It's it's we all. No, are, no, no. I never said it's immaturity. I I just mean to say that they're very sort of the same person, just displaying in different ways, in different times, and then converging uh, as the film advances to understand that they're kind of similar and that they're really hiding different parts of themselves, but they're not that different people. Um, and that that to me was the most interesting part that. Well, well, as I said in the beginning, the redemptive sort of arc of Paul's character that, that we're really finding that he can understand Angus' story and Angus can understand Paul's story and uh, they both grow because of it. So yeah, I'm not sure I completely agree with, with this idea that their morals or their values are always completely different. Rather, I think it's more of a... They need to play the, these different roles, and especially as the film is progressing and we don't entirely see them until you know, sufficient things that happened plot-wise for us to really understand that really they were, they were always similar. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I think they both put on this, like, like a mask of, like, a certain arrogance towards the other, like a certain superiority. I think this is true of both of them. Uh, although Tomás focuses more on Angus. <laughs> I'm going to start <laughs> having think, posters like... of his face in my room. <laughs> No, but I think uh, I do think both of them have that sort of attempt at you know putting on that show that type of uh, um, output to people. And as the film goes on, you understand that there's an underlying there's underlying problems with them, and there's underlying uh, questions with them, which is very literalized in the sense of they both take the same pills for depression. But it's even before that, you already saw. That yeah, these are two guys that have certain similar traits in how they behave towards the others. But Chiamari's character is obviously much more like he's much more of a outcast, and you can see it because of his age. You understand that he's much more of an outcast because, I mean, even his body smells like a, like fish, which is like you know it's not pleasant. You know, and he sort of accepts it that as um, as something that makes him unpleasant to other people and that's what angus and mary so that's what they bring to him in senses that they accept him and they like him and they clearly create a bond and i think you know the the film's narrative arc in many ways it's sort of a conventional story that is you know like you have the beginning the two the, the student and the teacher that hate each other or they have a lot of problems and like from the beginning you know Okay, by the end, these guys are going to have a strong relationship. It's going to be poignant. It's going to be beautiful. But I, I think it, it's so well done that it, and like seeing oh, a well, a conventional course, film well is, done, it's it always very nice. Very well done. Yeah, I totally really, yeah. really like. Yeah, the film. I, I think it's it really very familiar. Sorry. Yeah, it really exactly. accomplishes a lot of the things that it sets out to do completely. I really enjoyed exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And also with Mary's uh, character, the cook, I think Mary's so interesting. I really yeah. like. Yeah, such as well. like 
it's such a cohesive arc. It's so, so well um, defined, and not a lot of moments. Uh, well, she does appear a lot, but uh, but I feel like there are specific moments where you, you really understand the the narrative importance of certain scenes with her, and it becomes a really solid arc. I think it's a very interesting character. Yeah, and, and it uh, would be really blends well with the other two. Yeah, I agree. And it would be so easy for like the actress to overact and give like a like that Oscar type of performance that oh, you've seen that a lot of. Them. I love that she and doesn't. And she doesn't. It's so <laughs> under like it's underplayed. It's super well done. I I can yeah, see other because, actors you know, just going crazy on a role like this, and I can imagine <laughs> it being so annoying. Viola but Davis. No, it's really, yeah, maybe <laughs> crying. You're snot. Or uh, what's, what's 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 the other? Oh, son is dead. Oh, I can totally see Octavia Spencer like. <laughs> <laughs> those, those like I, faces. She, I don't think she would uh, I, I don't know if she's the type of actress for a role like this maybe, like, maybe she would do fine in a role like this because it's she, more she, under, she's under more acting snappy. yeah she's, she's more, more like snappy quotes, so maybe yeah. she would surprise but yeah but no it, I mean it also always comes down to yeah yeah exactly. directing choices of yeah of it's a very Payne well cast here, film so. yeah very done but yeah, yeah you know uh Mary's you know she she was so you know there are certain times when you're watching a film that you associate the characters with people that you've seen in your life and this was a film where I really have echoes in angles of people in angles of people that like him that I've seen in my life in in Hunnam's teachers I liked <laughs> so I was very biased to Hunnam's character uh kind of a, a stern teacher and um and her just just well, a lot of women like her like these big kind of moms who have these big soft hearts they say the very cook little for my high school <laughs> what <laughs> the cook for my high school the cook for my high school of course <laughs> so she doesn't say much but she has this kind of strength to her and she's she, it's there her physicality and both her physicality and her personality shows like a very strong kind of presence but uh, yeah i think she's very very interesting in her personality like she she shares something with with the teaching in the sense that they they always come to this kind of like meeting at night in that sofa watching tv where they have this commentary at the end of the day about just you know generic things about how the day went what's it like you know with with students and then angus and you know how she's doing and they feel a really big respect from from Paul regarding her into like she's a working class mom trying to make her way just lost her kin and there's like a humility to her that he re respects and then it's interesting because the party really functions as a sort of midpoint way into the narrative where a certain truth of the characters is revealed by a certain pressure you see a lot more about Paul and you know and his inner yearnings about his ambitions in life in terms of connecting with people finally again and then later on you see the aspect of what other aspects of him as an academic he wants to pursue and then about mary i just think it's so interesting that they choose to pick this little object of the vinyl recorder and she just says i own this place this is mine and she's all drunk and and she lets herself go you know she becomes the more drunk she becomes the more possessive she is about that corner of the living room playing the music for her for her dead son, you know, the music that he liked. And then it, the whole thing comes together, the climax, the sequence climax, uh, with kind of Angus pulling his teacher into the kitchen and bam, she's kind of turned against camera, crying, broken down, and they need to leave. And because you're biased against the students, against the arrogance of Angus, a character who is still mysterious to us, and I think fairly so, we shouldn't know much about him. Uh, when he becomes selfish when he says, oh, come on, I was having my way with Denise, Denise Elise, you know, inside the house. And then the teacher needs to reproach him and say, this woman is bereft. I'm completely behind him. I'm completely behind the teacher. But then he says, my parent, my dad is dead, you know, shut up. And he goes away. And then you have the bereft woman, the one who broke down, step in and say, you don't say a young kid was left alone in Christmas. Yeah, that was a great moment. That he, well. that he isn't wanted and i was like well very that's very interesting, interesting choice of character development. very interesting yeah choice of character to say that she was always besides him and then bam goes right after with it i think he keeps him in check he's sort of mentor figure for it paul also, himself and it makes you know? sense like she lost her son she's yeah. like she's always thinking of her son and she, she sees has a maternal of, yeah exactly yeah, she has a maternal feeling towards him and it's so amazing by the end when she comes in and she willingly gives her hand yeah, to him and to stay together i think it's very kind of heartfelt and it's a very nice moment like that final with them all looking at each other like they went through something together and they're mm -hmm. like 
mm-hmm. like acknowledging that they respect each other. Yeah. It's all through looks, going inside the, into the office like they're being, like especially Paul Giamatti. Like that's another moment where he's turned into a kid, quote unquote, like earlier already it already happened, like going into the office of the director yeah. to be told on something like that. It's uh, I think it's very strong. By the end, the film really like nails everything the way it should be doing, and it does perfectly, I think. Yeah, and also I, I really like the scene uh, where Angus is coming down the stairs, and then she asks, "No, no, where are you going? You, you're gonna help me up the stairs." I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just a that's moment. very interesting. Yeah. And also, I love the shot of you know you see uh, Mary's sister appearing in the balcony with her, with her husband, and then right after you see Angus kind of coming into shot and smiling, <laughs> just trying to fit in into the sense of family. I just think it's such a nice detail that they work there. And Mary has such a great line family. at the party where she's like next to the record player, and she says like they put me in charge of the music, and then like yeah, the janitor yeah, friend says yeah. who put, and they, and she says I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very good. Great film. Very good. Lovely. It's one film I'm watching and I'm thinking it's going to be great to watch again eventually. Oh, yeah. To revisit. Definitely. Just and, keep uh, company. And really make me reconsider the the best uh, Oscar, uh, best actor Oscar. <laughs> oh, yeah? You would you would give it to um, Paul Giamatti or, or too soon? Let's leave it to the predictions later on. In London, like. I, I mean, it's one of those things like... Um, Kill you know, him, I, you know, I know, I know he's gonna thing. win. I know he's gonna win. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I really would like to see Giamatti being recognized. Oh yeah, there's that wishful. It's like the. <laughs> it's like last year with Brendan Fraser, you know. Yeah, yeah. I but he actually did win, so. You know what? I actually had the same feeling after watching this this film the second time. I was like, I, it would really be cool if Paul Giamatti won an Oscar, <laughs> like the the deserving Oscar for him. I think he plays it so the well. Thing, like I also think. Killian really deserves it's like it's Killian very too. Yeah, it's one of those that's yeah. really ah. I mean I just you kind of forget everything you. that he does in Oppenheimer so I shared with yeah. you I, I've rewatched Oppenheimer recently during Christmas uh and uh I've shared with you today he won the Golden Globe for best actor mm-hmm. and yeah. Nolan won too best director and Lily won uh best actress actress and Robert Downey yeah. Jr won best supporting actor but the thing is not every single one of them gets repeated in the Oscars sometimes yeah, it's different Last year, Austin Butler won uh, Best Actor, and then it was Frasier. They switch so, it up. <laughs> we'll see. But maybe Sometimes this year I got, the f- <laughs> I got the feeling that Killian might just win, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I would be happy either way. I think they're both yeah. incredible. And that's all for today. If you'd like to reach out and suggest a film for the next episode, you can find us on the podcast official Instagram and Facebook pages. Feel free to subscribe, share this episode, or simply give us a like. That's how our podcast can grow ever more groovy. And if you're on YouTube and want to see more videos like this, check out this next video right here. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye.